Hello, my friend. Welcome back. My name is Joe, and this is The Joe Martino Show. I want to talk to you today about teens and anxiety and depression. Maybe it isn't the devices, the nutrition, or even all the pressure from colleges. Maybe it's how we're teaching them to think. Maybe it is a worldview that we're passing on to them that we have to reconsider. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, let's talk about teens and depression. Before I actually get into that, I do want to let you know that I do have something of a head cold or an upper respiratory thing. I think it's allergies, but it is affecting my breathing and my talking and my voice. Three things that I definitely need to be able to pull off creating a podcast. Uh, So if I sound weird or odd or uh, congested, that's why. And we'll just roll with it and get this episode done. I feel like a lot of people that I talk to are concerned that teens they know, people they know, kids that they know are more anxious than ever. And the early returns on research, because we have one of the things we have to consider is the idea that research needs time. This type of research needs time. Longitudinal studies, by definition, need time. Uh, but the early research would suggest that this shift really occurred in a hard way around 2013. And it's always interesting for me to hear the different ideas that people have for why this is happening. Why is it that teenagers are more anxious? We know that there was an uptick in suicide attempts after the TV show 13 Reasons Why came out. After every season that comes out, there is a two to three month long uptick in suicide attempts. And I talked about that in another episode which invariably leads to a conversation where people tell me all about the reasons that they think teens are more anxious today. And some people talk about, you know, it's their diet. It's red dye 40 or yellow dye 12 or blue dye 17. I don't even know if those are the right numbers. Some people tell me it's TV and devices and their iPads and their phones and it's Apple's fault, blah, 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 blah. Obviously, I don't buy into that one. I don't buy into the nutrition one either, for that matter. And then someone suggested to me, maybe it's the fact that we're teaching kids to think in a bad way. Now, I want to be clear. It's not that we're teaching them. I'm not saying that if you're teaching your kids to think conservatively or liberally, that that's bad. But there are some ways that we're teaching our kids to think that for years, decades, these styles of thinking have been considered cognitive distortions. And I need to step back for a second. One of the things that we do as counselors is we do something called cognitive behavioral therapy, which is the idea that we can help you control your thoughts. We can help. We can give you the skills to to handle your thoughts, to work through your thoughts and to then improve your quality of life, to deal with your distress by dealing with your thinking. Recently, I had someone point out to me that almost all of the ways that we teach our young people to think today falls into different categories of cognitive distortions, and it's then propagated through social media. It's propagated through the us-them thinking of of politics. In fact, dichotomized thinking is one of the, uh, dichotomous thinking is one of the cognitive distortions. And I'll just read it to you. 
It, it says also known variously as black and white thinking, all or nothing thinking, and binary thinking, viewing events or people in all or nothing terms. They like Trump, therefore they're a murderer. They like Obama, therefore they're a murderer. We've heard arguments like this when it comes to politics. And and this, I'll be honest with you, this is the idea that makes the most sense to me. One of the reasons that we have such a high anxiety rate in our society, it isn't the food dies, it isn't the nutrition, it isn't Monsanto, it isn't the iPads. It's the fact that we are propagating thinking because we've moved from impact to intent. One of the things that we believe is if that I feel offended, then I am. And that person meant to offend me. We've taken the cognitive distortions and we've actually told our kids to use them in order to feel safe. In other words, feeling unsafe means you're not. We have made the word triggered like a holy grail. Well, that triggers me. I can't tell you how many times I hear that. Well, that triggers me. When she leaves, literally heard this once, when she leaves the dishes in the sink that way, that triggers me. When he parks, literally another one I've heard, when he parks his car on that side of the driveway, it triggers me. And we have, we have essentially said that if something happens that triggers me, it's the responsibility of the person who did that thing that triggered me to stop it. And what was suggested to me, and I actually, I, I'm, I'm on board, that's part of the biggest part of the problem why we're creating more anxiety today. I mean, you think about it, we live in the best time of history, which isn't to say that there isn't problems because there's always been problems, but we live longer, we live better, we live warmer, we live cooler. Air conditioning in almost every house, air conditioning in schools, transportation. Most people have transportation, not everyone, but most people have access to transportation. And yet we have more and more anxiety, and it's happening more and more on college campuses. Why? Well, let me just read to you some of the cognitive distortions. Uh, and there is not an exact list. If you Google it, if you find books on it, you're going to find roughly the same number of items, usually 9 to 12. Uh, the list that I'm going to read to you today is at the lower end of that. But I want to read them to you. Okay, so emotional reasoning, letting your feelings guide your interpretation of reality. This is considered... A cognitive distortion. It has been for decades. One of the things that that counselors, therapists, mental health therapists are trained to do is to sit down with a client and say, okay, so you're feeling that, but let's question that. Let's push on that. And it doesn't happen. In, in the rest of the world, we're literally teaching our kids the exact opposite. We're teaching them that whatever they feel is reality, and that's emotional reasoning. It is a cognitive distortion that leads to distress. Catastrophizing, focusing on the worst possible outcome, seeing it as most likely. You'll see this a lot when people have a political candidate that is not from their party that wins. When Trump won, he was going to kill people. He was going to create internment camps. I actually witnessed a conversation at a coffee shop where someone got up and walked out screaming, because there was two people, they were talking about a meme, uh, a meme regarding 18-year-olds in World War II storming the beaches of Normandy, and then 18-year-olds today crying in corners because President Trump had won the election. I'm not here to talk about the meme, but here's what happened. One person was a Trump supporter, and they showed the meme to the other person who was not a Trump supporter. And that person said to the first person, well, you do realize that they're crying because they're concerned for their lives which caused the second person to laugh and say, well, weren't the people storming the beaches of Normandy concerned for their lives, which created a huge, in the middle of Starbucks fight, uh, 
got up, the one person got up screaming, they were concerned for their lives and walked out. Now, here's the thing. That person was guilty of catastrophizing. They were focusing on the worst possible outcome and making it as likely. And it didn't happen. Now, look, you don't have to like Trump. You don't have to like Obama. I don't care about politics for this purpose of this podcast because I do see it the other way. When Obama won, people were talking about how they're going to create death camps and they're trying to eliminate the old and da 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 And emotions start running and unchecked emotions create catastrophizing. Emotional reasoning often will lead to catastrophizing. Number three, overgeneralizing. Perceiving a global pattern of negatives on the basis of a single incident. This generally happens to me, so I seem to fail at a lot of things, is the illustration given uh, on a list. But when you look at it, overgeneralizing tends to happen. This is a thought process that we encourage kids to have today, where if something goes wrong, it's everybody. As of the recording of this episode, there was a young lady who claimed that she was held down and her hair was cut for racial motivation. It turns out that she was lying. She made it up. And right away, you can see overgeneralization happening, right? Like there's people coming out saying, uh, well, see, hate crimes aren't as prevalent as we're told. And, and there's this pattern. And, and the thing of it is, is, is what happens with these distortions is we lose nuance. I was talking to someone earlier about the Brent Kavanaugh thing. And I said, what do you do with the people? Like, I believe victims. I sit with victims all the time. And at the same time, I've sat with a lot of people who have made false accusations. I've sat with some of their victims, but I've sat with even more people who have said, oh, this happened and it didn't. What do you do with that? How do you navigate those waters? If you're being taught that overgeneralizing is one of the best ways to get safety, emotional safety in your life, you don't embrace the nuance of the conversation. And that's an important aspect of this. I don't think anybody's teaching people these things because they want them to hurt. They're actually, they're good intentions. They're they're well-intentioned. They want to help them. They want to help try to keep them safe. But the problem is they're teaching them safety from a way that isn't actually creating safety. Dichotomous thinking, also known as variously as black and white thinking, all or nothing thinking, and binary thinking. You view events or people in all or nothing terms. I I have a friend, a guy I really like. I've muted him on Facebook because all he talks about is politics. And when it points out that he misses the nuance of there are people that are good people, that they just disagree with him politically, he constantly comes back to, yeah, but we're an adversarial political platform. And he just blows people up who disagree with them on one issue. In fact, I know one guy who actually agrees with him on a lot of issues, but there is there is struggle there because he gets caught in this dichotomous thinking of black or white. Everything is all of one thing or all of nothing. And, and this happens a lot. This is a very common cognitive distortion. People get caught up in thinking it's all this. So either you, you, you did something that hurt me, so you're all bad. It's the Disney problem, right? Because in Disney movies, the bad guys are all bad and the good guys are all good but it's not real life. Again, we're back to nuance. People who can't see nuance tend to struggle emotionally in life. They tend to have more emotional and mental distress because they're engaging in dichotomous thinking. They're engaging in black or white thinking. Everything is all good or all bad. Either you're all for me or all against me. All right, the next one, mind reading. Assuming that you know what people think without having sufficient evidence of their thoughts. Do I even need to like defend this one? Like, Just go on Facebook and find an argument and people will tell each other what they think. And I don't mean me telling you what I think. I mean me telling you what you think all the time. 
Seriously, write this list down and then watch the news and see how many they engage in. Now, why they do that, I don't know. I'd have to engage in mind reading to tell you why they do that. I can tell you why I think they do that. And that's an important distinction. Of course, we have ideas and thoughts about why people do things. But we have to sort out what we know versus what we think we know. It's okay to think you know why they're doing something or what they're doing it. But in the absence of actual evidence that you can touch, your belief about why they're doing something, my belief about why they're doing something, that's not actually evidence. By now, I imagine you can see how these all kind of run together often. All right, the next one, labeling. Assigning global negative traits to someone. Often because we're in the service of dichotomous thinking. So he's a rotten person because he supports, insert political person. She's a terrible person because she believes in insert belief that I don't believe in. She, he's a terrible person because they blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is. And you might have like 10 points of agreement in their life, but you have this one thing and it becomes all or nothing thinking. And so what happens is, is you label them and then you can read their mind and then you start overgeneralizing and then you could catastrophize and then you can get running with emotional reasoning. Labeling is destructive and it's everywhere in our society and we're actually teaching it. Now, when I say that phrase teaching, and I want to be clear, I'm not saying that I think teachers are standing up in front of the room and saying, okay, class, think these things. I do think that's happening in colleges. I think if you've read anything by Sue and Sue, it's full of uh, cognitive distortions. And they're kind of the experts currently. I know when I was in grad school, I had to read one of their books on cross-cultural, multicultural counseling. And even then, I pointed out to my prof, I was like, well, this book has a lot of cognitive distortions in it. But I think we can teach things implicitly as well as explicitly. And in society, I think, by and large, we're teaching our younger generations these cognitive distortions implicitly. We're not outright saying you ought to label everybody. But when Trump wins, if we're liberals, we label everybody who supported him. Uh, if uh, Obama wins, well, he won't run next. Whoever runs in the next election for the Democrats, when they win, my conservative friends will label everybody who supported him or her. And it becomes this engagement in terrible labeling. And they all run together because then we can read the person's mind because we've already been able to label them as a bad person. And then we can completely write them off, which is dichotomous thinking. We can overgeneralize anybody that agrees with them. We could catastrophize about what will happen. And we are, we're often running with emotional reasoning. Negative filtering is the next one. You focus almost exclusively on the negatives and seldom notice the positives. Again, if you don't believe me, just talk politics with someone. Find somebody you disagree with and listen to yourself. Most people are want to discount the positives of the person that they don't support. For instance, I was having a conversation with somebody about former President Obama, and I was not a fan of the ACA. That shouldn't be new news to anybody who listens to this. I wasn't a fan of it uh, on the provider side, and I wasn't a fan, on it, a fan of it on the consumer side. And I said this, I said, but I believe that it came from a good place. Now, I don't have any evidence to support that, but I, I, I just choose to believe that President Obama and those who support the ACA, they want a good thing to happen. I just don't think the execution was very good. And somebody said to me, I, I just can't believe that you would say that because they disagreed with ACA as well. But what they were really doing was they were negative filtering. 
They were just looking at all the negatives of it, and they weren't willing to see any possible positives. I was talking to someone one time uh, about an organization that I'm a part of, and I said, yeah, they do this thing, and I don't really like it. I don't agree with it, uh, but I, you know, whatever. And, and the person said to me, well, how can you still, you know, work with that organization? Well, because it's not just that, that thing that I disagree with them on isn't all of them, right? Again, you're going to continue to notice how these all run together. The next one is discounting positives, which again runs hand in hand with negative filtering. So discounting positives is claiming that the positive things that you or others do are trivial so that you can maintain a negative judgment. Well, I do that because that's what I'm supposed to do. My wife does that because that's what wives are supposed to do. My husband does that because that's what husbands are supposed to do. All right, now this last one, blaming, focusing on the other person as the source of your negative feelings. You refuse to take responsibility for changing yourself. We could literally spend an hour on this. How many times do you hear the phrase, well, that makes me? It triggers me, so it makes me. It makes me this. It makes me that. Nothing makes you. You get to choose. When you're engaged in blaming, you're abdicating yourself of responsibility and you're ceding control of your life to someone else. If you're a grown adult who had a bad childhood, I feel bad for you. I really do. I have sympathy for you. I have empathy for you. I grew up in a less than ideal situation. But if you're making bad choices as an adult, you don't get to blame them on your parents. There's a post that runs around Facebook that drives me insane. It's the letter of a prisoner writing to his mom about how she's responsible for the fact that she's there because she never let that he's in prison because she never let dad punish him. Well, if he was an adult when he committed the crimes, which it sounds like he was, that's the dumbest thing ever. Now, do I think you should punish your kids? Yes. But don't engage in emotional reasoning and manipulation to try to get people to discipline their kids because the prisoner in that particular post is engaging in blaming. He's focusing on the other person as the source of his negative outcome, the source of his negative feelings. We have to accept that we control our own feelings. More importantly, I think if we want to help our younger people, ourselves, have less emotional distress, have less anxiety and depression, we have to get away from these cognitive distortions being considered as normal, appropriate ways to process our distress and our lives. If we can do that, I think together we can bring down this anxiety and distress. I think one of the reasons that we lack the ability to have conversations is because we engage in so many cognitive distortions as normal ways of thinking. We should actually debate our emotions. We should actually debate how we feel. Anytime we start talking about a person in all or nothing terms, we should debate that. We should engage in good, critical self-thinking. Now, critical isn't like, oh, I suck. Critical is looking at it for evidence, looking at what we're thinking and feeling for evidence, asking yourself, what are other ways to look at this? Where might the nuance be? We have to learn to engage in this type of thinking if we're going to reduce some of the stress and anxiety and depression in our world. If we want to raise kids who are resilient, we have to teach them how to think this way. We have to teach them to realize that not everybody that we like is going to, we're going to like everything about them. There's going to be people that we like that there are things about them we don't like. And that's okay. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.